0: I want to talk to you about a fight. You know, last night there was some fight. I'm not quite sure. Some guy, an Irish guy. I never saw so much pride in my life. I think he's gone. That's right. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about a bigger fight. I want to talk about the fight between two natures and every believer. Some of you will get this. Some of you won't. The reason why some of you won't do is because you don't have a fight. (laughs) Because there's not two natures in you. And that'll scare you. But if you're saved, if you're born again, you're frustrated. Okay? I want to tell you why. I want to tell you how to fight on the right side of this thing. Now, if you will, I want you to go to Romans chapter 7. And then we'll go to Galatians chapter 5. Romans chapter 7. I kind of just want to talk to you this morning. I wish I could show you some fancy graphs and diagrams and make some perfect explanations, but I don't think I can. I think this is so big I could speak for a month of Sundays on this one subject. I'm going to do my best today, and and my wish is that you would get something, and then your own study, your own reading of the Bible would just come alive, and the Lord be able to teach you what I can. Romans chapter 7 And verse 15, listen to these words that the apostle wrote. He said, for that which I do, the things that I do, I allow not. Now, there's probably not too many parents who will admit that to their children, but the things they won't let their kids do, they do. (laughs) Paul says, that which I do, I allow not. I won't allow anybody else to do it. And I won't even allow myself to do it. And yet I do it for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate... That do I. Go to Galatians chapter 5 now. To the right, Galatians chapter 5. You ever find yourself doing something that you hate, the fact that you did it and that you've done it and that you know that you're going to battle with it again? Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Listen to what the Bible says for the flesh. How many of you have flesh this morning? Come on. (laughs) It's what you're living in. It says for the flesh, now look at that strong word. We don't usually associate a good thing with this word lust, but the lust means intensely desire, okay? And you can intensely desire the wrong things, but you know what, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's an intense desire. So the Bible says the flesh lusteth against in opposition to the Spirit. Is yours a capital S? Yes. So we're dealing with the Holy Spirit here. My flesh lusts for things that are opposite than the Spirit, and the Spirit lusteth against my flesh. These two are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So if you can imagine two people who are, one's wanting to go this way, the other one's wanting to go that way, and they run into each other, and they can't move, because they're fighting against each other. Every time this one of me wants to go that way, the other one goes that way, and I don't, I don't end up doing either. Now, let me give you some honest questions. Maybe you've asked these, but you're not honest enough to actually verbalize them or whatever. If I'm saved, why do I still sin? Don't you buy this rubbish that says if you're saved, you won't sin. That's a lie from hell. That's a lie to get you that when you do sin, you'll give up on God, you'll give up on Christianity because you'll say... Well, I'm, I, I just, I, I can't live it, I guess I sin, so I'm not saved. Blah, blah, blah. And the devil lied to you, telling you that if you're saved, you won't sin. So if I'm saved, why do I still sin? Secondly, why do I have such a problem with sin while I'm living here on earth? Why am I still troubled with impure thoughts? Why do I sometimes do what I know is wrong? And why do I do, why do I fail to do what I know is right? Why do I continue to battle with temptations that I so want to be freed from? Why do I sometimes live and act like an unsaved person? And yet I know I'm saved. Now, what every believer wakes up to is not that their salvation failed. It's not a failure of their new birth, but it's the fact that even though they are born again, they have their old nature still around. The confusion surrounds, hold on, let me say this, I want to, the confusion surrounds, yeah, this is, the confusion surrounds the fact that there are now two natures at war in every believer. They're like two cats in an alley. You ever heard in the middle of the night, and for 20 minutes, man, they're just going at it. And if you think about it, that's what's going on inside of us. <clears throat> they don't get on. We read it there in Galatians 5.17. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. This morning, I want to examine these two natures. Learn how to daily fight from the right side. Because you can't stop the fight. Can I just help you? You can't stop the fight that's going on in you. You're going to have to choose which side you want to win. Let's pray. Father, we bow and we ask that you would open our minds and only our heart let it sink down deep into our hearts. What is this fight all about? And how how do I choose the side? And how do I be on the winning side? Lord, put our hearts at rest that you're okay with the fight. You want the fight. This is something that you designed in us in the new birth. So the devil has a fight instead of the victory. Lord, I pray that we would start to enjoy the fight because we're on the right side. Uh, I pray that we would get tired of fighting on the wrong side. Bless, Lord, these thoughts convict us of such laziness and apathy towards this war that's going on. Lord, let somebody in this room realize, unless they get into this fight, they are lost, they are already doomed, they've, they've, they've not even chosen to join the winning side, so they're going down. I pray they choose the winning side today. Somebody needs to get saved. I, I can't, I can't convince them. I pray the Holy Spirit does. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis 25. Let's look at a Bible story. Very amazing biblical illustration. Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25 and 21. 25 and verse 21. Abraham's got a son named Isaac. He uh, gets him married off to a beautiful woman named Rebecca. And they lived happily ever after. Eh. <laughs> no, they had problems. As a matter of fact, they kind of were frustrated because they go 20 years without children. <clears throat> and can you imagine uh, Abraham coming and checking on them and saying, "So, where's my grandson?" <laughs> you know how some grandmas do. But look at chapter 25, verse 21. <clears throat> Get there myself. And Isaac, now his wife's gone 20 years without having a child, and Isaac wakes up one day and he goes, you know what, maybe we ought to pray about it. <laughs> so Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreat- entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Duh. Waits 20 years before he finally prays about it. I bet none of you are like that. Verse 22, and the children struggled within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire herself of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. Not just two babies, but two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Right after praying, Rebecca gets pregnant and... Sometime after she starts to show, and, and she's joyful, she's, she's pregnant, she finds out there's not just one baby, there's two, and they are having a football match. Every day and all day. They are at war with one another in her womb. And she says, she says, as they struggle together within her, she said, if I be so, as if to say, if I'm so blessed, why am I thus unable to rest? Why why is it I can't sleep at night? Why is it I can't walk straight? Because this kicking's going on. Why is my life in so much turmoil if I'm so blessed? And God prophetically says there are two nations in you, two battles, two two battling forces, and they're not going to stop till they're born. And when they do get born, they will continue. But anyway, and there is so much in here but I just want to say this. We're not going to spend our time in here because I'd spend... This is absolutely marvelous. Uh, the older will serve the younger. It's breathtaking. Uh, there will be one of them that will be stronger. I'm gonna to... As we go along, I hope that you start to see what this truth is in Genesis chapter 25. Because this is an illustration. You can imagine, Rebecca, going through this. You can imagine, oh, so that's what's going on in me. Now, by, uh, I should have sure I had a picture here of the two of them. I mean, they're so precious, you know, you think of two children, but these two children were not normal, okay? They fought tooth and nail every day of their life until Jacob got right. But anyway, let me go by way of background. First thing I want you to understand is that we all start off with one nature. It is Adam's nature. I need you to go to Jeremiah. Oh, well, let's go to Romans chapter 5 first. Romans chapter 5. We all start off with one nature, and I'll tell you what that is in just a moment, but Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Romans five twelve says, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon everybody. Why? Because all are sinned. So, Whatever Adam did and whatever nature he had has been passed on to me. And we have his nature. Now, the unsaved man has but one nature, a selfish, sinful, corrupt, wicked nature that we got from Adam. We're not the descendants of God. We're the descendants of Adam. And all that he was, all of his nature has passed upon us. Folks, human nature is our nature. Now, and some people say, amen, that's great. But it's not a good one. Human nature is not a good thing. A dog barks by nature, amen? You ever heard of ever? I mean, they, they teach these animals to do strange. You ever seen a parrot and these uh, parakeets and different things, you know, mimic voices and stuff? Well, the nature of a dog is to bark. The nature of a cat is to meow. The nature of a chicken is to cluck, okay? The nature of a human is to sin. That's our nature. Our nature is who we are with all of its flaws and all of its varieties of sin. It is what you and I do without even thinking. That's why our parents had to spend so much time teaching us to be respectful. That's why our parents had to spend so much time teaching us to obey. That's why our parents had to mold into us character because by nature, we're a mess. Amen? A child left to himself embarrasses his mother, the Bible says. Brings his mother to shame. That's why our government has to make up laws to limit us. Because if you had no speed limit, how many of people would die? Just a stupidity on the road. We have to have laws that limit our nature. Are you with me now? Our nature is not a good one. Our nature is full of sin. Not full of goodness. I can't tell you how many people I debate who say, man is basically good. I want to slap them. Because I want to watch how they react because they ain't good when they've been provoked. <laughs> <clears throat> try to tell me what to do, and I will instantly try to justify not doing it. You say, Pastor, you're a Christian. I'm just as carnal as you are. Show me two options, and I will usually choose the one that satisfies my selfishness. Our sinful nature is bad enough to keep us from ever entering the presence of God. He will separate us forever and ever. Like a stray dog. You have a stray dog and scraggly old dog that's never never been bathed and never been potty trained, never, never been taught anything, you know, uh uh of, of obedience or anything, and that stray dog comes up to your door, you're not gonna let him in your house, are you? A badger coming up to your house, you wouldn't let the nature of that badger tear every piece of furniture in your house. By nature, they're wild and unpredictable. Well, that's you. Listen how God describes me and you. Um, Let's hold on here. Let's go to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah in your Old Testament, chapter 17 and verse 9. You have four scriptures to look at. They're hard-hitting scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. Now, if you were writing the Bible, I know know how you would write it. Are you ready? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is unpredictable. (laughs) And pretty bad. Who can know it? That's how humans would write that. But that's not what God said. God said the heart is deceitful above all things. You ever been to a car salesman? This is a fine car. I mean, it's, it's you. It just says you in this car. I, I sit in it. It doesn't, doesn't it feel like it's that man's selling you a lemon and he'll lie and he's good at it. And that's your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It means incurably evil, unfixable. Who can know it? Who knows just how wicked you are on the inside, and how far you could go. You say, I would never. Talk to Adam. I would never disobey God. Yeah. Talk to Abraham. Ah, oh, I would never give up on God. Uh, talk to David. I would never commit adultery. I would never have a man murdered. Every one of those men, every person in your Bible that messed up a week before would say, I never would do that because they did not know how low they would go. We're so wicked inside that God says we're like a person with a deadly, incurable disease. Worse than AIDS. Worse than cancer. It's called sin. Mark chapter 7 now. Mark, New Testament chapter 7, verse 20. Most people go to churches where people are lifted up. Where their nature is padded and and puffed up and encouraged and uh, uh, made to feel at home and all those good things that just makes church wonderful. Let me tell you, you need a church that not only encourages but sometimes strips you down and makes you face who you really are. And God does that in the Bible and he tells us that we're not so good after all. Mark chapter 7 and listen to verse 20 to 23. Mark 7 verse 20 says, Jesus said, That which cometh out of the man... What comes out of me, that defiles me. That ruins me. For from within, out of the... Say the next word with me. Out of the heart of men proceed all those evil thoughts. Adulteries begin where? In the heart. Fornication. You know where sodomy comes from? And homosexuality and lesbian come from? That's called fornication in the Bible. It comes from the heart. Murders. Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, all foolishness. All these evil things don't come from outside. They come from within, and they defile the man. Another one, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 and verse 9. Matthew 7, 9. Listen to Jesus. We're just letting him talk to us for a minute. Matthew 7, 9. What man is there of you who, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? (laughs) I mean, it just doesn't happen. Here's Tunde. Ete comes up dead. I'm hungry. Here's a rock. I don't think it's in Tunde to do that, okay? Maybe Ore, but not Tunde. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being good, know how to give good gifts unto your children. Did I read it right? Boy, Jesus just... I mean, I bet everybody's jaws dropped when he says, If ye then, being evil in your hearts, and yet you still know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall so your Father, which is only good, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Jesus says, we're a mess. You know, it's possible for evil people to do good things. Amen? Don't get the idea, well, you think you're good. No, I don't think I'm good at all. What about all those other people who do good things? I'm sure they do good things, but in their heart is evil. That's the reality. They have a nature that is against God. Ephesians chapter 2 now. Ephesians chapter 2. Stay with me. Ephesians 2. We're speaking of human nature here, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Speaking to the Christian, he says, Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened, that's a word for resurrected, made alive, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You're like an old-style record player. Remember when that you'd put that needle down on that record that was spinning? And it would it would follow the course of that little groove from the outside to the inside. That was us. We're following the course of this world where it leads, which is hell. Time time passed, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's all we sought to do was to fulfill our lusts, and whereby, what's the next word? There's our nature. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I like the next two words. What are the next two words? Say them with me. But God, I love that. But, Amen. God enters in and fixes the mess. But I just want to say this: According to the Bible, is man's heart basically evil or good? Talk to me. Amen. So, what is man's basic and biggest problem? Is it world hunger? Is it corrupt government leaders? Is it poor housing? Is it evil capitalistic corporations? Is it pollution in our water? Is it wars? Or is it an evil and polluted heart in every man, woman, and child? every Let me say this. Every psychologist knows what I just told you. That people are inherently evil on the inside. But they can't admit it. Not anymore. They lose their job. I don't worry about my job. I serve him, not you. Amen? Second background truth. At salvation, we got a we got a second nature. God moved in. Amen? See, at salvation, God didn't give me a new list of rules to keep. Well, that better if you just keep this list of rules, you'll do fine. No, I won't. I couldn't keep the old rules. How can I keep the new rules? So what does God do? He moves in. And he helps me. As a matter of fact, he keeps the new rules. Any new rules that are in the Bible, and by the, in the New Testament. By the way, the New Testament is a whole lot harder to live by than the Old, if you read it. You know, in the Old Testament, you just couldn't commit the act of adultery. In the New Testament, you can't even think it. <laughs> wow. So I got a second nature in me, and so did you, if you're saved. Uh, Ephesians, you're in Ephesians. Go to chapter 4 and verse 24. Paul says that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. What was my old man? A mess, sinful, separate from God. What's my new man? Created in righteousness and true holiness. The believer has been, go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. After Hebrews, James, First and 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse four. Second Peter one four. To an inheritance incorruptible. That's what we're called to. And undefiled. That's heaven. And that faith is not a way reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Let me see if this is right. I'm in second Peter. It was good anyway. First, I'm in first Peter. Second Peter chapter two. Thank you. I would have gotten there if you just let me keep reading, amen. <laughs> Second Peter chapter 2 Peter chapter 1 in verse 4. There we are. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers. I already have an old nature. What do I get? A divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The believer's been invited to partake of the divine nature, and that's the divine, that's the nature of God himself. You know, none of us had any new nature in us before we got saved. I did, You didn't have any new nature in you. You may have had rigorous training and discipline and character insti- instilled inside of you, but your nature was still the same. And if you could get away with something, you still could sin in the most awful ways. So where did the new, di- new divine nature come from? Go to Colossians now. Go back to the left. Find Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what 1 John 4, 4 says? He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. In me. Uh, go to Ephesians. You're in Colossians. Go back to the left. Find Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Ephesians three seventeen: That Christ may dwell where? All right, doesn't want to dwell in your brain. All the Bible facts in the world won't work until they're down in your heart. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend all the work and the love of God. Galatians 2. You're in Ephesians. Go to the left a little bit more. Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, 20. I am crucified with who? Alright, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth where? Alright, where'd you get the divine nature? He brought it with him. The new man in me is not me, it's really him in me. In simple words, Jesus is the new you in you. That's why the new birth is so vitally important for you to ever start living, because without him you have no life. He that hath the son hath what? Hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He is our new nature. Well, here's a question for you. What happened to the old you when God put the new you in you? Now, what happened to my sinful nature? Did it disappear? Was it made something good? Was it removed? Only was it partially removed? Listen to what the apostle John describes in first John, you're in Galatians, go to the right, go to first John, just before Revelation, first John chapter one, verse eight. First John one eight, if we say that we have no sin, who are we deceiving? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse ten: If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The old sinful nature has not been erased. Paul, uh, sorry, John says: If we, if we, if we Christians think that we have no sinful nature, if we don't have any sin in us anymore, we make him a liar. That's the truth. Go to Romans chapter seven again, where we started this whole thing. Romans chapter seven. Now, this will really hit you in a good area here in just a minute, like it did me. Romans chapter 7, but i got to lay all this groundwork. This is just the background, by the way. <laughs> Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Look at your Bible. It says this, For we know that the law is spiritual. It came from God. But I am carnal, sold under sin. That's a Christian. Look at verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that does sin that does wrong, but sin that's doing it in me. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my... There's my old man. There's my old nature. In my flesh dwelleth... How many good things? Now, don't let your wife read that. (laughs) I know that is in me, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is always present with me. I want to do right, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Look at verse 21. I find then a law... That when I do good, evil is always present with me. Do you see that? Look at verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. You see Paul sitting there frustrated? He's working through that. He says, I thought when I got the new nature, the old nature would just die away. Would just go away. But it didn't. Here's the truth about your old nature. Number one, your old nature is still there. And by the way, all of it is still there. And that's the scary truth. You now have two natures in you. The believer has in their old nature, in their heart and mind, everything that made you sick and, and tired of, of, of life before you got saved. And that will show up in depression, that will show up in anger, that will show up. It is still in you, even after you got saved. All that you were before you got saved got carried as baggage into the new life. You had a nature that loved its sin. Tell me you don't love your sin now. Remember uh, uh how how many people um, come away from drink, come away from drugs, and still reminisce and still remember how fun it was, joy. I mean, they still battle that thing. That nature loves to sin. That nature loves to fight God. That nature would commit adultery if it could get away with it. That nature will watch porn until it's caught. Amen? That nature will lie and deceive at the drop of a hat. That nature in you, Christian, will blaspheme and criticize God for everything it can imagine of to be wrong if it had the chance. You know what God did to the Israelites when they started murmuring and complaining against him? sent in snakes and killed them. Because he's got to reveal this is wrong. It's in you. Even after you've been brought out of your sin, out of Egypt, you're still carrying... Egypt with you. Your old nature's still there. Secondly, your old nature cannot change. What? Yep. You can modify it. You can mold it, but it can never be made better. The old nature is incurable. When you got saved, the old nature actually seems even worse now, doesn't it? As you get saved, you look at your life and go, "Man, I'm wretched." Before you got saved, you thought you were pretty good. You know, I haven't smoked in three weeks. That's how you used to talk. Amen? You would say, you know what? I gave up this, and I was able to... Before you got... Now you're saved, you go, man, I'm a mess. I'm wicked. I just... I. When you got saved, your old man became worse, didn't it? Didn't get better. It'll never become less wicked than it now is. Only God can fix you, not by getting rid of the old... You'd have to go to heaven, folks. I'm going to tell you this. You'd have to go to heaven to get rid of the old nature. So what did he do to fix my old nature? He gave me a new one that puts up a fight. It cannot improve. Some people come to church. Some people go to seminars. They pay big money for conferences. They buy books. They watch YouTube channels. Trying to improve themselves. Trying to improve their, their winning personality. Trying to improve the old nature. You're going to be gravely disappointed, folks. Because the Bible says you're corrupt. The Bible says you're wretched. Now, people may love you, and I hope they love you. I hope they don't just see how wretched you are. Amen. You don't have to tell everybody everything. Amen. Oh, brother, let me tell you about how wretched I am. I don't want to know. Amen. Paul says, there's no good thing in me. And that no good thing never becomes some good things. The old nature is sinful and corrupt through and through, and it's never going to improve. When a person is saved, you're not transformed into something good. Your old nature is never sweetened. I don't care how much sugar you put on it. The Bible teaches the old nature nature is just as vicious and rotten and sinful and wicked as it ever was. That's why the Bible tells us, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. That's why the Bible says, put off that old nature. Now, put off, I wish it meant put away, like get rid of. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning all that former conversation, put off the old man which is Corrupt. We're commanded to put it off, and I'm going to explain for that in a moment. Then it tells us to focus on the new life and the creation that God gave you. See, the new birth is the bringing in of a new thing, not the changing of an old thing. I have a nature inside me that loves God, that wants to do the will of God that loves to sing praises to God. I have a new nature that yearns for somebody to want to get saved and to hear the gospel. I have a nature in me that wants to preach. I have a nature in me that is ready to die for, for, for the Lord's cause. I have a nature in me that is holy and loves purity and loves to, to walk with God and loves to do his will. I have a nature like that, but I got my old nature that fights that tooth and nail. So, I often, and most, just like you, I focus on my old nature trying to fix it up. And the Lord says, don't do that. So let's keep going. When we start to understand just how much time we spend on the old nature, watch a guy in front of the mirror for 20 minutes. Ever seen the old guys with grease in their hair, you know? You can't improve it. He will never please God. Your old man can never... Please, God. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Back to the left. Romans chapter 8 and verse 8. Look at verse 7. Because the carnal mind—that's your fleshly mind, that's your natural mind—that's the way you naturally live without even thinking. The carnal mind is actually enmity. Enmity means conflict. It's at war against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Neither, indeed, can be. Some hey, let's just do it. Let's bring over some Bobby with his funny-looking hat. He comes over and he's got a stick over there. He starts telling you what to do from from England. He says he tells. Uh, uh, Celine, he says, you're, uh, uh, um, you're doing this wrong and doing that wrong with an English accent. You know what Celine's gonna go? I'm not under your jurisdiction. I'm, I'm, I, uh, uh this, uh, this nature in me, when the, when the Lord shows up, my old nature says, I'm not under you. And you wonder why, yeah, I find it hard to, to uh to read your Bible and to go out soul winning and to do the things of God? Because your old nature is winning and is in charge of your decision processes. So go on there. In chapter 8 and verse 8, he goes on. He says this, so uh verse 7, because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Listen to Proverbs 158, the sacrifice of the wicked that's the old man, is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright, that's the new man, is his delight. Proverbs 15, 9, the way of the wicked, the old man, is an abomination to the Lord. But he, God, loveth the new man that followeth after righteousness. Listen to this one. A high look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Now, I don't know where plowing comes into sin, but the plowing is sin because... A wicked man is sinning. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, if whatever a wicked man does is going to be wrong before God. It can never please God. It is condemned by God. Now, God didn't change the old nature. He condemned it. <laughs> According to Romans 6.6, 6, we're going to go there in a minute. Our old man is crucified with Jesus. Romans 6.6, 6. go back one page. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So my old me, as much as I love my old me, as much as I'm used to my old me, is condemned by God. Now here's the last, and this is, again, these aren't great truths, but these are the truths, you're stuck with you. You're stuck with you until... Death do you part. (laughs) Never thought of a wedding like that. But when you got saved, you're stuck with the old you until that day you die and you enter into the presence of Jesus free from the old you. Will that be a great day? Oh, what a day that will be. You're stuck with the old you. Let me compare those two natures for you so you understand just briefly. You have an old man. We just read there, 6-6. Look at it again. Knowing this, that our old man... Jesus 4, Colossians 3, 9 talks about the old man and we have a new man. Um, uh, put on the new man, okay? But let's go through that thing. The old man is what I am and all that I am because of Adam. You want to you wanna blame somebody because you're short or because you've got spots and freckles on your face too many of them because you don't have any hair or you want to blame somebody? Blame Adam. Okay? All that you are is because of him, not God. Secondly, It is, it is my old life that was lived just like Adam lived, hiding from God, rebelling against God, blaming others. That's me. It is the self-life. The old man only thinks of himself. It is a fallen, sinful nature that goes against God. It is born of the flesh. John 3 says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. My parents' flesh produced my flesh. I'm born of the flesh. That's all it is. It thinks about its stomach. Some of you are thinking about it right now. It thinks about its tiredness. It thinks about its aches. It thinks about itself. It's a natural birth. It's corrupt according to deceitful lusts. It's all that you were born with. But let's talk about the new man. It's all that you are because of Christ. You say, I was born without legs. I was born uh, uh, not so smart. I was born um, crippled, or I was born in Somalia instead of in Ireland. I was born... All that you were in Adam is replaced by all that you got because of Christ. When you got saved, he didn't fix missing legs. He didn't fix messed up brains. But he gave you everything that is eternal and that is good in Christ. You may not be able to enjoy it all now, but one day you will. All that you are in Christ is far better than all you were in Adam. The new man is a new life in Christ. I don't care, I don't care if you're Zuckerberg or, or if you are Steve Jobs or if you were Bill Gates or if you were uh, Barack Obama or if you're Putin or, or any of these, these powerful leaders in the world. They've got nothing on my life in Christ because what they've got is nothing but sorrow and stress and pressure. I've got love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I've got it all. I've got the Christ life. You know what Christ did when he was walking on the earth? He smiled, he lived, he loved. That's my kind of life. He didn't have to have a place to lay his head for him to smile and say, but it's going to be okay. Amen. I have the new man, I have the Christ life. It's not the, the Christian life is Christ, not me anymore. You say, I'm going through trouble right now. Amen. But the Christ life, the new man in you is rejoicing. Amen. And let me just say this. Can I say this? The old man will weep. You can't stop the tears of the old man. But don't forget, the new man's rejoicing. The new part of you is shouting going, I'm on the winning side. I used to have a, only live by a fallen sinful nature. Now I can live by a divine holy nature. I can actually live, following in a nature that doesn't want to give in to sin. I'm born of God. Amen. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. I've been born of God. I had a natural birth, now I've got a spiritual new birth. I was corrupt according to the deceitful lust, but now I'm following after God and I've been created in righteousness. The old man was what I was born with, but the new man is a new thing which did not previously exist. You think about when God stopped at the end of of six days of creating this universe. He created everything there is. And then he made me. He made something new. I'm a new creature. Amen. You can't go back into your old life and try to find a new you. It's not there. You find it in Christ. So, the battle between the two natures. Let me have a little stretching of your brain for a second, okay? Described by Paul in Romans, we read some of those scriptures, but I want to show you something here. We're going to look at Romans seven fifteen sixteen 16, and 19, and I want you to notice the two of Paul talking. And you help me figure out, is it the new man, Paul, or the old man, Paul, talking? And I'll help you with the first ones, okay? So I'm going to read it through, and then we'll go back through and try to fill in the blanks. Paul writes, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent in the law that it is good. It's good for me because I do wrong. I need a law to stop me from doing wrong. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now let's figure out who the eyes are. It's the same guy. Are you with me? You went, I just lost you. <laughs> Hold on. When he says, for that which I, that's the old man, that which I do, I, the new man, allow not. So there's a part of me that says, don't do it. But the old man says, but I'm doing it anyway. For what I, the new me, would, that's what I want, that do I not. That's the old Paul. Now help me out. But what I hate, which part of him? Ah, that do I. Which part of him is doing it? Here we are. You see, he's working out of both sides. He's saying, I'm now seeing this battle, and he's trying to help us see it. If then I do that which I would not. What's the first one? What's part of me is not wanting to do what I'm doing. I knew. I consent, I agree, that the law is good. For the good that I would, knew, I all do not. But the evil which I would not, which part of that? That I do. (laughs) Very good, you all passed. Way to go. Now, but don't stop there. Go to Romans chapter 7 and verse 24 and 25 and notice it's not without hope because if Paul stopped at 23, we're doomed. But verse 24, he picks up and he says these words. "O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the, from the body of this death? I thank God through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. So there are two of me running this thing. And I got to choose which one wins. So Galatians 2.20, one more, one more test here. You ready? Gonna give you Galatians 2.20. It says, uh, oops, I am crucified with Christ. Now, which part of him? I'm gonna say that's the old man. Nevertheless, I, the new me, lives. Yet not I, tell me who's that? Yet not I living, but Christ liveth in The new me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Now that's the best part of this whole thing. He loved me. He loved my old man enough to die for me. I don't understand it. I only want to love good people who are nice to me. But God loved people who spit at him and crucified him and hated him. He loved the old me and gave himself for to have a new me. Amen. Amen. You see that thing going on? It's in a lot of this. All right, what do we do with these two natures? You need to make sure you're born again. Now we get to the message. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. I know I've gone over some of your heads. I know some of you are just sitting there going, why did I come to church today? But some of you are going, I need this. Some of you are going... Okay, maybe this is what I need to understand, what's going on inside of me, like Rebecca wondering what's going on in that war zone in her womb. You need to make sure you're born again. Go to Second Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is where? Is in you, except ye be a faker, a fraud, a reprobate. Do you know, you're wasting your time and efforts trying to fix up and better your old nature by going to church, doing good deeds, giving away your money. If you're not born again, it's a waste of time. Are you with me? Amen. If you can't tell if Christ is in you, I'm going to tell you, you're lost. Don't play with me. Say, well, I'm not sure. Well, if you're not sure, can you imagine? Here's Here's Gavin. Gavin finds Mrs. Wright. She just didn't know her name was... Always, right. Anyway, Gavin meets Mrs. Wright. Gavin then gets married. And a few weeks later, I say, Gavin, how's it going? Are you still married? And he looks, I don't know. Are you married, Gavin? And he goes, I can't tell. I'd slap him. What is wrong with you? You can't tell if you're married? Don't you tell me. I can't tell if I'm saved. I don't know if Christ is in me. Examine your heart, man. We sometimes think because there's a battle that maybe we're not saved. No, no, that that actually testifies that you're saved. If you actually want to do right, if you actually struggle to do right, that's a good sign you're saved. Examine yourself. Make sure you are born again. Because if you sit and come to church and nothing I say ever pricks your heart, nothing you read in the Bible ever convicts you, no song ever raises your heart to praise God, no joy comes from God, then you're not saved. Amen. You don't enjoy. I'm saying, I come to church because I'm supposed to be here. But I always get a blessing. I always love it. But if you just come because you're supposed to be here, and I pity you. You're wasting your time. Go home. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you'll die. Make sure you're born again. Secondly, know the old man and the new man in you. Say, how can I tell which one's the new man which one's the old man in my life? Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 2, actually verse 3 to 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife, that's arguing, or vain glory, self-seeking, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others, taking care of others. Let whose mind be in you. Jesus' mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How, how do you tell what part of you is the old man, which part of you and your thinking is the new man? You compare it to Jesus Christ. Hey, you ought to know when you're being dominated by an argumentative, argumentative spirit. Because you can look at Christ and go, he wouldn't argue. You can know when you're fighting God. You ought to be able to check your attitudes, check your lusts, check your desires against what Jesus is like. Amen. Would Jesus sit and watch what you're watching? Would Jesus say what you're saying? Would Jesus be thinking what you're thinking? You ought to be able to tell when you're carnal and when you're living for God. You need to be able to know when I'm in one of those two two mindsets. Third. Choose sides. Go to Romans 6. Back to the left. Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. six, uh, six uh, hmm, I don't know why it says... I'm going to say 6.19 first, and then go back to 6.16. 6.19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Am I in the right spot? Ah, that's it. I'm, verse, I'm going to come back to verse 16 in the next one. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity, the weakness of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to unrighteousness, you made your hands a servant to sin and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now yield, you choose to yield your members, servants now to righteousness unto holiness. You need to choose side. Go to Galatians five sixteen. To the right, Galatians five sixteen. Galatians five sixteen says, This I say, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. Wait a minute. You say brother lead better, you're saved. How can you have the lust of the flesh? Because it's in me. How do I get the victory over the lust of my flesh? You walk in the spirit. You choose the new man. You choose to walk his way. You're gonna to have to choose sides every day. You imagine growing up at a home where you're you're being forced to choose between mom or choose between dad because they're always fighting. That'd be a horrible home to live in. Amen. But that's in you, and you got to choose who you're gonna who you're going to stay with. That's a horrible thing. But we're dealing with you. We're not dealing with your parents. We're not dealing with your boss fighting against... We're dealing with you fighting against God. And you've got to choose every day which side you're going to side on. Choose it. Just like you used to. Hey, you'd get up in the middle of the night, and you'd go look in the fridge, and there'd be German chocolate cakes in there. And nobody had to twist your arm to pull out a piece. Amen. I can choose to walk in the spirit, or I can choose to walk in the flesh. As believers, God has set us free from the bondage of sin, and we need to claim that victory from sin's control by faith. What do I mean by that? Very simply, somebody comes along and and uh, gives you a hundred acres of land out on the coast of County Clare. It's yours, but you've never claimed it. You've never put your name on it. You never went there and saw it. You never decided to move onto that land. And that's how a lot of you live. God gave you victory. God gave you his son. God gave you truth. God gave you peace. But it's out there. You never claimed it. You never put your name on it. And you never moved into it. You never started living it. Two sides. feed the new man. Still in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes he says, put off the old man. Sometimes he says, put on the new man. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Dennis will tell you. Where's Dennis Linehan? Where are you? Dennis Linehan? Do you remember the Indian story? The story of the two dogs? It's a true story. An old Indian who had just believed on Christ as his Savior. He confronted the missionary who was there, and he expressed his, the continuing problem of his old habits. And he said, in my heart, I wish I could talk like an Indian, or two dogs <laughs> that are continually in battle, a white dog and a black dog. What do I do? Missionary thought for a moment, and he said, well, which dog will win the battle? And that mission, that, that Indian sat there, the one I feed. And the missionary said this, make sure you only feed the right one. So what do you do with this battle going on? You feed your new man. You starve out the old one. Let me tell you, the longer you go without cigarettes, the easier it is never to pick them up again. The longer you go telling the truth, the harder it will be to pick up a lie. Amen. The longer you just stay reading your Bible, the harder it will be to put it down. There's just something that happens. The longer you do right, it's harder to go back to the old way. Now, it's possible. Don't get the wrong idea that your old man is just going to roll over and die. But you can starve him. You need to feed the new man. Uh, I think about going camping. Eric and I always talk about going camping. But uh if you went if you went and spent a day, maybe even go to the beach or whatever, you'd probably bring along some provisions, wouldn't you? Bring along some deviled eggs. Hallelujah. How can it be deviled eggs and be so good? I don't know. Bring along you're providing for your time over on the beach or in the woods or whatever. Folks, make provisions only for the new man. How do you feed the new nature? How do you start the new na- the old nature? Well, think about what you feed on all the time. I have Too many Christians read these self-help books. They watch these talk shows. You know, God gave you a perfect book right there. Um, and yet more people spend hours watching TV. What do you meditate on? What do you think about all day? What do you watch? Do you ever find yourself able to switch off the TV for more than a couple hours? Can you go a couple of weeks without the TV on? Do you fill your mind with entertainments, jokes, romance novels? What is your mind and heart focused on? Well, I'm worried. I understand what you're thinking about. Let me tell you, your new new man's not worried. Amen. Feed the new man. Your victory over the old nature is you starve the demands of the flesh. And the more you starve it, the weaker it becomes. That's a biblical truth. You're not going to kill it But you're going to treat it like it's dead. That's what mortify the flesh means. It means treat it like it's dead. It will. It will remind you. It's not quite dead yet. But put it off and then put on or feed the desires of the spirit. Amen. Number five. Oh yeah. Number five. Yield to the spiritual man in you. Romans six twelve. Romans six twelve. In 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Two choices. Now I need um, uh, I need you to come up here, Dean. You're going to be sinned. Well, I got to be the good guy. No, come here. All right? Now, look at what the Bible says. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey in the lust thereof. I'm used to, and so are you, I'm used to him coming along, being sin, and running my life. I'm used to giving in when he just pulls me ever so gently one way, pull me that way. All right? Now, the Bible says, don't let him. Did it say that? Let not, therefore, sin reign in your... He's going to be in your life, but he doesn't have to reign in your life. Are you with me? He does not... Now that I'm saved, he does not have the authority to run my life. Are you with me? So I can actually... So try to pull now. I can actually say, no. Now, if I have no alternative, I have nothing else to replace him with, and for me to move to, then I will always go back to him. I will always find myself back giving in to the old sins. So let not therefore sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my mind, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But now I need to yield unto who? Alright, now I don't have a God over here as as an illustration. He's sin, but I want to yield unto God. In the moment that I yield unto God, take your Bible, turn to James. James chapter four. James chapter four and verse seven. I want to resist you. All right? I wanna I wanna beat the devil out of you. (laughs) Not really. Talking about in my heart. I want to resist this desire, this sin, this temptation, this old me's dominance over me. But I can't until I've submitted to him. Look at your Bible, James 4. Submit yourselves, therefore, to who? All right, so who? When I submit, I'm yielding to him. I'm yearning for him to tell me what to do. I'm yearning for him to say yay or nay about anything I may be doing. I submit to God. Then when he comes calling, I'll try to pull me now. I can resist and I can defeat him. And what will the Bible say he'll do? He, I love that part. I love it. Get out of here. No, you can go back to your seat. <laughs> I don't have to have great faith. I don't have to great, have great uh, uh, um, uh, understanding. You know what I need? Great submission. And serious, desperate yielding to God. What do I do with these old natures? I yield to the right one. I yield to the spiritual man in me. I walk in the spirit, which is I walk in the direction of the spirit. I walk. I, I heard this. I heard a preacher say uh, uh, just a couple of months ago. It was it was amazing. He said, "Spiritual is not an act; it's a direction." I thought that's good. That's really good. Only time I'm ever spiritual is when my eyes are on Jesus, Amen. And I'm just following Him. And that's what I want. When, when that is my direction, I am spiritual. When my direction is focused on sin in my life, I'm carnal. Yield to the spiritual man. Learn to give in. Listen, I, 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 I have to tell you, when the Bible says something and it starts to prick your heart, immediately they say, yes Lord. Immediately they say, you got me. When, when the Holy Spirit tells you to go to talk to somebody and, and, and get right with them, you do it. When the Holy Spirit says, humble yourself, you humble yourself. When the Holy Spirit says, "says hey, we've got a special offering, what can I give? It ought to be your response. Instead, we go, that wasn't for me. I'm not listening. (laughs) Yield to the Spirit. Man up put up a fight. 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 4, 5, and 6. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So whatever weapons God has for us can pull down what is controlling us. Casting down, it begins with our what? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all my disobedience when your obedience finally is fulfilled. So put up a fight, folks. At least put up a fight. It's no good claiming to be a Christian, having a Bible, having a church, having a pastor who loves you, prays for you, having good godly Christian friends, and then you just keep going back to the old sin. It's no good when you don't even put up a fight. How dare you? How dare I be able one day to stand before Christ at the judgment of Christ, and the Lord brings up and says, what were you thinking here? And I go, whoa, I am ashamed. I'll be so flat out embarrassed, and you will too. Why would I do that? Because I didn't. I didn't put up a fight. We ought to. We ought to desire to fight. When my old man, when the old me rears up his old head and says, "We're doing it my way," I need to be able to say, "No." Now, if you ever hear me talking to myself, you know, you understand what's going on, Amen. <laughs> Stop it. No, no, I'm not going to give in. No. You know you. You cannot. You cannot fight your old man using your old weapons. You can't fight him with willpower, with hypnosis, with drugs or drink. You can't, well, we're going to move house. Well, I'm going to get a new husband. I'm going to go get a new job. You're trying to fight a battle with carnal weapons. Can't do it. Can't do it. You're going to have to use new weapons, like memorizing the Word of God. You know, the older I get, the harder it's getting. You know what? That scares me. Because I don't have enough push put away for the day I won't be able to read it. Scares me to death. Believe in what God said over what the world says. Obeying the word, the, obeying every word of God. What did Jesus say when the devil tried to tempt him? He says, man does not live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That's how you fight him. Obeying every word. Those are mighty enough to bring down Satan's strongest strongholds in you. Fight back. Believe God. I love this. Romans 6. You're sitting there going, will you ever shut up? That's your old man talking. Romans 6, verse 6. I'm trying. You should have heard me arguing with God for the last few days, but anyway. Romans 6. You need to just believe God. Look at this. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified. What a reality. Is crucified with him? (laughs) You just need to remind the old you, you're on the cross, dude. This is a good thought. Your old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might one day be destroyed and henceforth we should not serve sin. At some point, you're just going to have to settle it and believe that your old man is now crucified. God condemned your old man on the cross. He judged him. He poured out his wrath on the old you and he blessed you with a substitute. When Jesus physically died for you. When he says it is, it is, when our old man is crucified, it means it is done. It is finished. You don't need to crucify the old man anymore. It's not something that you do now, it's something that you believe God already has done. You know, God judged that bad spirit and that critical spirit and that bad tongue of yours 2000 years ago. God already crucified it. Don't you bring it up out of the grave, man, and start using it again. That's kind of morbid, man, thinking about the stuff that we do. It is crucified with Christ. It's a done deal. doesn't need to be do- done again and again, and it's a fact to believe. You don't need to defeat the old man, folks. He is. Now, let me say it this way. The old man sometimes seems very alive, but according to God, it is a twitching corpse. Think about it for a minute. That old you is going down, but he's twitching. <laughs> and you give him, you give the old you too much attention. I choose to believe what God says about the old me. And I choose to listen to the new me about me. Believe God. Paul's on a ship sinking. You know what the Holy Spirit told him one night, he says you're going to be fine, Paul. Paul got up there in front of everybody and he says, Folks, I know the storm hasn't let up in 14 days. I know the ship is sinking. We're about gone. I know everybody wants to jump ship and run and let us all die. But I believe God, Paul said. Remember that? You get to that place where your flesh and the world and the devil's telling you everything else, you need to just be able to take that book and say, but I believe God. Fear are losing. You know, there's a battle going on and there are consequences for you obeying the flesh. Sin can bring you back under bondage. I've seen too many Christians go back into bondage of sin that they were freed from when they got saved. You need to be afraid of going back under that bondage. You need to be afraid that sin will kill you still. Say, I'm a Christian. The devil has no touch on me. You're an idiot. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's no idiot. He knows when you're so full of pride, he can bring you down just like Mayweather did. God will probably have to chasten you if you start to if you start to play around with the wrong nature. Guess who shows up in your life big time? God, and He chastens you. You'll lose rewards in heaven when you play with sin and you give into your old nature. It may just cost you your wife. It may just cost you your children, and it can cost you your sanity. Is it worth it? You're losing. Look forward to heaven. You know what's so wonderful about our kind of hymns? It's not about me. You know what those hymns are about? Struggles and strife and troubles and heartaches and battles and 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 the will of God and fighting uh, uh, for right and and doing right. And about about three fourths of all those hymns have at least one verse about going home to heaven, making it all worthwhile. You know how do I handle this battle? Well, just like Rebecca handled those two children, she said, one of these days I will be delivered. <laughs> and one of these days you and I will be delivered from the old man. And I'll enter into the presence of Jesus and I'll look around and the old me won't be anywhere. <laughs> That'll be a great day, man. You need to look forward to that day. You say, I wish I could get my health back. I wish I could get uh, all of my uh, my mental problems fixed. I wish I could get all of these things fixed. One of these days they will be. It may just have to be in heaven. Amen? Look forward to it. You know, that'll balance out a lot of troubles when you just start singing about a place you haven't seen yet. But you're going to. And then lastly, lean on God's two great provisions, very briefly. The first provision is this. God gave you the provision for victory, and the provision's not... Uh, uh, an, an, an act. The provision is not a, a, a belief. The provision is not a, a rule. The provision is not a law. The provision is not a, a prayer. The provision is Christ in you. That's how you win. He wins. You walk with him. Listen to him. My sheep hear my voice. Do you ever hear his voice when you read the Bible? Walk with him, man. He has been given to me to ensure my victory. Amen. Secondly, what about when I fail? He's given you the provision to restore you when you fail, and that's in his blood. It is the completeness of the payment of Christ found in his blood that always can pick up, no matter how far low I've gone, I can go right back up, snuggle up next to him at the throne of God. Amen. I'm not, listen, I'm saved 36 years. And I mean, I should be a billion miles away from Christ. But I can snuggle up next to him, I can go right to the throne of mercy. Why? Because of his blood. What kind of provision has God made for me to live on the wind inside? Christ and his work on the cross. He paid for it. Let me ask you some questions. Finish this up. Why do you and I still sin? Why do so many Christians battle with impure thoughts? Why do Christians do what they know is wrong? Why do we sometimes fail to do what we know is right? Why do we even act like unsaved people sometimes, even though it grieves them and saddens them when they live that way? The answer is found in two great biblical truths. We start off with one nature, and when we got saved, we got a new one. God's nature in us, Christ's divine nature in us, went to war. So how do I handle the old me? Well, I gotta understand it's still there. It'll frustrate the fire out of you. It will not ever change. It will never improve. It will never please God. It is condemned by God. And I'm stuck with it. Or well, is there any hope? Yes. <laughs> you gotta get tired of fighting the wrong side. You're gonna have to say, one of these is gonna win. I'm gonna make sure I'm picking the win and one. And the way you pick that win and one is you make sure you're saved. You secondly, you know when you're in the old man nature and when you're in the new nature. You start to know it. You know when your tongue is spewing forth of hell or of heaven. Amen? You choose sides wisely. You look at yourself and you say, today I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to walk in the spirit. I'm choosing to listen to that still small voice, not the screams of, of the world and of the stress and of my friends. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna feed the new man. Everyone in this room ought to be reading through your Bible every year. Amen. This is Bible Baptist Church, isn't it? Amen. That's how you feed your, that's how you feed the new man. You yield to the spiritual man in you. Spiritual man right now is going, keep going preacher. Keep going. We'll stay till two o'clock. We'll stay till three because it's right. Amen. Yield to the new man. Wrestle the old man when he fights you. When he's, when he's saying, no, I don't like that. Fight it. Fight it. You just gotta realize he is always going to argue. Amen. Just say, I'm not letting you win anymore. And believe God through everything. He. He says it's okay. He says we win. Amen. Fear losing. Look forward to heaven. Lean on God's two great provisions. What are the two great provisions? Remind me. Christ in you and the power of his blood. He's provided you all you need to live on the wind inside. Now we're going to go for baptism in just a second. Stand with me and let's bow in prayer. There's a lot here this morning. I tried to make it into two or three messages. You're just going to have to take it as is. And if your old man's complaining, I really don't care. There's no way, Every about every eye closed, there's no way on earth that I could have, maybe somebody else could have, could have summarized and, and dealt with that battle inside of you like it should be. I just want to give you a taste and understanding so that when you're reading your Bible, when you're in church and somebody says something, you start to connect the dots and you start to realize, you know what, I'm understanding that more and more about that battle in me. I'm looking forward to the day that I'm going to be delivered, but until that day, i got to understand the elder shall serve the younger. The elder is the old me. That's that's who's been around the longest. <laughs> and he shall serve the younger. And the younger is the new you. And you got to believe that the new man in you can run your life a whole lot better than the old you. Would you let him? Would you decide, Lord, I, if there's anything I got out of this message, it's just that I want to obey you. I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. Father, please bless these thoughts to your people. Give us an understanding heart. May it sink down deep into our heart so the devil doesn't have the day. Not anymore. Teach us how to submit to you so that we can resist the devil and believe that he will flee. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 388, 388.